What up, City of Champions? Big news this week, as it will be my first as a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The reason for this change is twofold. The network is going to help me grow the podcast reach and will also provide me an opportunity to introduce you guys to other great podcasts that are part of the network. You can check out all the great content being produced in Alberta by going to albertapodcastnetwork.com. My guest this week is a very talented young man by the name of Corey John. Corey is an Edmonton-based motion and stills photographer, and I thought that talking to him would bring a lot of value to many of you who are starting to get into the content creation game these days. Corey caught my attention with a PC shop promoting our city for Edmonton economic development. It's the one narrated by Eskimos Mike Riley, and if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend checking it out before you listen to this episode. You can find it by going to YouTube and searching the phrase Edmonton Video Impact 2018. It's the first hit on there. Corey and I had a great chat about getting started in the business, equipment that he uses, uh, his creative approach, and we cover a ton of other useful bits of info for up-and-comers. I hope you enjoy this informative conversation with DOP Director of Photography, Corey John. Corey, what's been going on lately, man? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been just trying to keep myself busy. I've been uh, just trying to meet as many people in the, I guess, in the film industry in Edmonton as I can. Um, just trying to trying to keep the work going. So, you have you worked on many films, or have you started sort of like corporate and kind of working your way up the chain? How does that work? I started uh, in the industry back in 2010. I uh, worked for a production company, mm-hmm. uh, did a lot of corporate work. Which one was that? Uh, the Idea Factory, they were called. Okay, are they yeah. still around? Yeah, they should. Yeah. I think they're still around. So, yeah. worked for them for for five years. I worked along my alongside my buddy Dave. Mm-hmm. He's a good friend of mine. We were friends way before, and uh, there was an opening there, and uh, I went on with them and was their in-house shooter, and that's kind of where I learned the, the techniques of video and kind of how everything works. Yeah, and. Uh, went out on my own in 2010 mm-hmm. or two thousand yeah 2000 um, 2015 sorry oh, okay <clears throat> and I've uh, been on my own ever since and how I'm, old are you I'm 31 31 yeah okay so before 2010 what what kind of path were you going down what were you looking at doing uh, I kind of dabbled in photography and mm-hmm. that's where I kind of my hobby lied mm-hmm. but um, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, and I think that... Uh, that like most people. Exactly, like most uh, people in their early 20s. So mm-hmm. I uh, I was fortunate enough to get a position there, and, and, and that kind of just sprouted my career. So Yeah, and what are you working on right now? Right now I'm working... Uh, the, one of the bigger projects right now, I'm, I'm with a, a French production company actually shooting a, a TV show. Cool. It's, um, it's a food truck TV show based in... The production company is based out of Edmonton, but the the production is all over Canada and all over the United States. So, I've been just traveling and then shooting and <laughs> eating, eating good, good food. food. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's unreal. Yeah. Um, so, do the trucks travel between the cities, or you highlight the trucks in each city? Exactly, we highlight the trucks in each city. So we visit each city and and kind of uh, get to see the the food truck culture in in each city and yeah. and follow these two hosts around. So. Are you so you're DPing that? Um, I'm just a B camera operator on that. Okay. So, but I'm working with a really talented shooter on that. Uh, Benoit is his name, and he's brought me on with a lot of confidence. So yeah. it's kind of like a team thing rather than um, 
right two camera operators i think that's how that's how a lot of productions are going now right yeah. like it's I, you know i've worked on smaller productions and bigger productions and and the bigger ones obviously you've got your head guy but it takes so much it takes so many people in a team to make anything come to life really exactly um, and I've seen those food trucks. Those are tiny. How do you guys get in there? Like, what are you, what are you shooting on? They're, uh, we're shooting with Sony, Sony FS7. So they're, uh, they're pretty, pretty compact camera, but uh, they can definitely, once you get in the truck, they can definitely bump around and hit, hit the walls pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, on that show, we, we uh, tend to put one shooter inside the truck to follow kind of the, the way they're cooking the food, and then one shooter on the outside of the truck kind of following the either the hosts kind of interacting with people or uh, with customers eating food. Yeah. What's been your, what's been the, your favorite food truck so far? There was a food truck in Portland actually called Kim Jong Grillin, which was uh, a, <laughs> it was a Korean food truck. And uh, the guy that owned it was just a very, very nice, humble guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came from Korea. So the food, South Korea, obviously. Yeah. The food, <laughs> the food was really uh, genuine and, and traditional. What is Kim? Um, Korean is like kimchi, bulgogi steak, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, pretty much. It's dude, that's 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 amazing. Yeah, it was it was great. So, <laughs> so you've got an interesting story when it comes to getting into photography and then videography after that. Um, you know, what, can you tell us a little bit about how that happened? Uh, in regards to well, you, you know, you said you bought your first camera, didn't use it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I was pretty big into the impulse buys when I was a lot younger, just like I think a lot of other people. Yeah, I what kind of stuff are you buying? Like, <laughs> I was really into like electronics, like okay. cameras and TVs and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I grew up playing. Um, video games so I, I bought a lot of computers and whatnot so so you would have been the the n64 would have had a big impact on your life yeah I can you could say that it was kind of the beginning of everything but um, I bought a camera back way back when and I I played around with it but I didn't take it very seriously mm-hmm. uh, and then I I think I focused on work a little bit and then I came back to it and uh, started shooting shooting more things and, and kind of learning the craft of photography and, and yeah. how everything works. What caused you to kind of come back to it? I think just growing up and just kind of figuring that I could be interested in this and it might be something that I'd want to, I'd want to do and, and kind of take that path. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of camera is it? Do you remember? It was a Canon Rebel T2i, so okay, really old. Yeah. yeah. Do you still have that camera? I do not have. That no, camera. you sold it. Yeah, I sold it. That's like <laughs> the uh, there's no um, there's no attachment to it. Like no. this is what got me started. I'll look back in 50 years and say, yeah. that's the guy. I sold it and used the money to buy something better. I think that's what a lot of DPs yeah. do, <laughs> yeah. which makes practical sense. Exactly. Um, and you, you get to travel a lot for your job, right? Yeah. Yes, I, um, I'm fortunate to travel. Um, it's really depending on the client or the, the job that it is, but mm-hmm. um, I've been fortunate to travel all over the States, all over Canada. Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's been pretty great. Were you, you were just in Japan. Was that work or was that pleasure? Japan was a pleasure trip, yeah. but I couldn't get away from work. I ended up bringing a bunch of cameras with me to <laughs> shoot, and, but I, I, I really took a step back and, and enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so if it weren't for the work, would you have taken all those cameras anyway? Like it, it must be hard to separate that creative aspect because everyone, like even people who aren't professionals bring cameras, right? Exactly. You just happen to have the best fucking cameras around. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I, I always feel when I do go check out these really cool places, if I don't have a camera with me, I feel kind of naked in a way. Yeah. I always just, I know that they say you should always just take the time to to enjoy the moment and take it in. I do do that, but uh, I also like to take the photo as well. So when you're there, do you find like analyzing um, a scene or, you know, like diving into taking a photo or, or video of a place, is that that might help you appreciate it more almost because you're looking for the little specific details. You're seeing what might catch the eye. You're thinking what might other people find interesting about this scene. Yeah, I really, um, how can I word this? It's kind of a natural thing when I go to a place. It's it's the lines, the textures, the the people, just the, the little intricacies of each place. That's what really draws me into it. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's some places that might look cool to a lot of other people, but I'm not really into it. Right. And then it can go the opposite way. So I, I like finding the 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 nice looking things in the not so nice looking places. Right. Well, Edmonton's a great city for that. Exactly. <laughs> you you kind of describe your style as a little more gritty, more real? Yeah, yeah. a lot. Uh, really dramatic. Um, I think it definitely stands out with a lot of the, the style I guess in Edmonton I feel like I'm one of the few in Edmonton have that have that pretty dramatic raw style mm-hmm. um, and that does stem from a lot of inspirations from me um, one being the show Breaking Bad yeah that's on my top right now so uh, I pull a lot of inspiration from that show uh, in regards to lighting and color tones mm-hmm. and just overall storytelling right and when you watch something, do you find that it's hard to separate your, your work mind from just like sitting back and enjoying a show? I, at first that happened, but now I'm, I'm really starting to see the things that I like and just kind of keep my mouth shut and just store these things in the back of my mind and then kind of right. revisit them after. Mental checklist. Exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, do you think uh, like your gritty style, is that... Is that a product of being from Edmonton and just having your kind of existence informed by that? Or is it more of just like a, that's all you had to work with for a while was shooting in this city. So you kind of learn to have that style because of your environment. I think a lot of my style developed not really from Edmonton, but from when I would travel up to Jasper to actually visit with my partner, Nancy, because she lived up there for a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of the landscapes that I was shooting were in the mountains and lakes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I really just showed off the the moodiness in those in those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have uh, when you're working with a client, obviously the client's always right, but you as sort of a creative expert, do you, do you ever struggle with like when to push back and when not to? <clears throat> I feel like I'm very fortunate with the clients that do approach me. They are kind of coming to me for that style. Right. Not all of them. But uh, a majority of them, they kind of like that moody or edgy lighting or whatnot. But uh, there are some clients where they they tell me to kind of take it back, and I just I I always agree with them, and uh, I'm I'm always there at the end of the day to meet their needs. Right. So there's never been a point where you just came to a head and it's like, look, I I cannot compromise my creative integrity here for your vision. And nothing nothing like no, that. No, we, right? we kind of meet we kind of meet in the middle. Yeah, that's yeah. ideal. Yeah, and so obviously the the piece that kind of drew my attention to your name was the Edmonton Economic Development Corporation 2018 Impact Luncheon video. That's a mouthful. Yeah, um, that was one you know narrated by Mike Riley. 
how did that all come about? Because that was a fantastic piece, first of all. It was great. Thank you very much. Um, really enjoyed it. And it's one of those, you know, you just see it and you're like, whoa, I got to watch that again. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great piece. It, uh, it was definitely the work of a, a lot of people put together. I was approached by a company in Edmonton called Cineflare, and they've been around for a little while, and they wanted to bring me on because of my style and they wanted to bring me on and, and DP this this piece. They thought I would fit well with it and to really tell the story of Edmonton. And uh, it was a course of five days of shooting, I think over 30 locations. And uh, it, was, it was just a long, fun project to uh, pull together. What were some of the more challenging shots of that shoot? <sighs> Do you have a 780 on your arm? I do. That's awesome. I yeah. like it. <laughs> We're talking about Corey's tattoos here. Yeah. What else you got rocking on there? Uh, I got. I recently just got this guy here. It's yeah. kind of a. My dad had a tattoo like this back when he was younger, and I always remember this tattoo growing up. So I sent a photo to the tattoo artist that I go to, Heath Smith, yeah. and he redrew it like almost exactly and uh, and got that tattooed on there. And then a lot of these other ones are just kind of, uh, just some quick ideas that I would pass by Heath as well and he mm -hmm. would just draw them up. Now are you, so he, you give him the concept and he draws them? Or are you an artist as well, do you draw? No, I kind of just give him the concept and then yeah. I'll draw them up. What, is there a theme, what do you call it? What do you call that? I guess it would be classified as traditional. Traditional? Yeah. Okay. Which is really broad. Yeah. But that's uh, kind of the thing right now, I guess. I, <laughs> I just really enjoy his style. I enjoy Heath as well as a person. So yeah. I just appreciate his work and kind of trust what he has to do. And pieces that detailed, you're spending a lot of time with the guy as he's yeah. tattooing you, yeah. right? So you got to like him. Yeah. A couple hours at a time, so. That's cool. Yeah. Sorry, I get distracted. Yeah. Um, what I, oh, yeah. The, what were some of the challenging shots of, uh, of that shoot? Um, I think... Not so much the shots, but the the, de the timelines and the deadlines for that shoot. Mm -hmm. So we had to put in 10, 12, 14 hour days to get the this video done mm -hmm. on time. And uh, I think it was just in between um, locations and, and talent and uh, transporting the crew around and whatnot. I think that was the most difficult part of the shoot. Right. Overall, the shoot was fairly straightforward. It was produced very well, so things came together. Mm -hmm. Is it hard as a, as a DP to sort of just be there on the shoot days and then just like pass your work? Because did you edit that as well? No, I didn't edit that. Um, I, I just shot that and I met with them a few weeks prior to discuss uh, shot listing and the overall look of the piece. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew it was in good hands once I shot it, uh, and I I just let it go after that. And I, I knew that they were going to create a really good piece all said and done. So that's not a struggle for you, just kind of letting it go? Do you prefer to edit your own stuff after? I do prefer to edit my own stuff, um, but uh, I do like to collaborate with a lot of other people as well, because mm -hmm. I know that um, shooting is my strong point. Um, not saying that editing and coloring is isn't but uh, I, I started in shooting and I prefer shooting the most mm -hmm. and that way I, uh, I don't feel um, the need to be worried when I pass off my work right so you're really good at everything but you're really really good at shooting That's <laughs> I don't know if I'd say it like that but. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask uh, specifically about um, 
learning, you know, learning the craft and, and I think on your website you describe yourself as, as really self-taught. Um, so two parts of that, you know, did you have any great mentors that sort of taught you along the way? Um, as you were as you were learning, I didn't really have very many mentors along the way. I think I just drew a lot of inspiration from people, um, and the way that I learned everything was just trial and error. I was always afraid of showing failure to the public, so I would always do a lot of um, practice or learning, kind of in my spare time or behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't uh, make a product and and release it out and and ask people what they thought. I mm-hmm. always just kind of really polished it before I would show anybody. Yeah. So I think that's what really um, gave me that determination to make things as best as they could be. Right. Um, but like, what do you mean by putting out a, a, a failure? Like what, what constitutes a failure, fail product, fail product? I guess just showing people that I'm trying something or trying to learn something and, mm-hmm. and maybe showing off an unfinished product or, or, or a, a first try at something. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're you're more of the type that sort of labors over all the details. Like there's two types of artists, right? There's people like Picasso who just produce and just throw stuff out, and it's just gold all the time. Yeah. But then there's the others that you know consistently have to rework their work and rewriting and, and re-editing, and it, the process is a lot longer. And the end result is genius one way or another. But but you you'd see you're more of the refining kind of guy. Yeah, I, I think I would fall under the ladder there. I I definitely take my time and, and think of every angle and um, really um, polish the piece before. What are the important things to consider? Like, what, Do you have a, a standard checklist that you go through when you're approaching a shot? Uh, not really. It just kind of comes like uh, the feeling comes naturally. If it doesn't feel right to me, I, I kind of hum and haw about it and then I, I'll take a step back and I can kind of rethink it. But if, it's, uh, if I walk into a room or if I walk into a location and it just feels right, I can get the shot within a couple minutes and be done, you know. Well, so what are the things you would adjust if you take a step back, kind of think about it? Like, what are sort of, I don't want to say like quick fixes because I don't, don't mean that, but what are sort of the go-to things that you would kind of adjust in order to tweak it? One thing I always kind of keep in the back of my mind is who else could come here with any camera and do that? And if everybody can do that, then I'll, I'll kind of take a step back and and rethink it you know mm-hmm. look at it a different way or look at it from a different angle or different perspective mm-hmm. so i i don't want to be showing things off that everybody can see from the instant they walk into the room right okay so sort of a uniqueer perspective exactly. on that yeah yeah i suppose that probably translates to the audience pretty well because you know everyone's got their own unique perspective and even even something that you show them is interpreted differently by yeah. everyone exactly do you ever, do you come across that often? Of like you, you're sure in your vision you see one thing, but then, but then you show it to other people and you're just kind of shocked. You're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think of it like that. I think I get uh, surprised if I'm if I'm working with someone else and they'll suggest something, and I I kind of take a step back and say, well, I didn't think of it that way, or I didn't look at it that way. Maybe I should try it that way, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that way I'm, I'm not really getting stuck in my ways and I'm kind of experimenting and, and learning learning from different perspectives as well. Right. So I, I suppose learning trial and error, kind of successes and failures, makes it a lot easier to take feedback and, 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 and take that kind of measured learning approach. Mm-hmm. Wow. What, uh, 
what's the importance of lighting? Because I know lighting is such a huge one that like the lay person doesn't understand at all or doesn't realize how much actually goes into that. So what are the things you're looking for when lighting a, a shot? When I'm lighting a scene, um, I, I really want to emphasize the subjects in the scene and what's important. There's, there's things that don't really matter in a room or in a, at a location. And I really want to emphasize either the subject or what the subject's going to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of different ways you can light a scene. You can use natural light. You can use uh, bring in your own lights to make make it how you want it to look. Um, where am I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> well, what like do you prefer the natural lighting? Do you, I, I suppose that would probably fit with your grittier style. Um, when I'm shooting interiors, I really like to manipulate the light myself mm -hmm. and I like to bring in my own lights and um, shape the scene how I want it. But when I do shoot exteriors, um, I really like to use the, the natural light, the clouds, the, the sun, the sun streaks, the, the shadows. I really, I really like playing with those. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess it's a mixture between the two. Again, it kind of comes back to that intuitive, you know, what feels right for the moment exactly, and, yeah. and the client. And yeah, um, what what percentage of your work right now is is sort of corporate for a client, and what's more creative, like storytelling? That's kind of the, a fun question for me because I did come from a background of just strictly corporate videos. Mm -hmm. I would go in and get the the shots I needed and get them. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't a lot of production or pre-production involved in it, uh, which kind of drove me out into kind of going on my own. Um, I'm really excited that I can take corporate videos, and corporate videos nowadays and kind of put a creative twist on them. Mm -hmm. I can kind of uh, work with the clients and uh, ex explain to them and, and kind of show them that adding these creative twists to these videos isn't always a bad thing. Right. Um, the, the typical talking head video is kind of gone now. So you find clients are probably realizing more so now than ever that there's so much choice when it comes to products or brands or services that you've really in order to, to touch, you know, your, your potential clients or gather customers rather mm -hmm. that you need to have a message or a why or a story to deliver. Yeah. You really need to stand out and, uh, there's, there's more than one way to tell a story. And if it's, I can, I can make a, a corporate video for a client and not show the person I'm interviewing once and it's that much more impactful right and I mean the cost of production is so low now that there's so many people out there producing high quality stuff stuff that looks visually amazing how do you how do you go about separating yourself from the pack in terms of you know what you bring to the table I think that's it's very important to really uh, make your style uh, distinct and not not fall into what everyone else is doing or the trends mm -hmm. you really have to to show who you are and what you can do better than the rest and for you what is that i think that really comes down to my the moodiness i put into into my work and really just making it dramatic and playing with lighting as much as i can and and getting creative with all the shots yeah with um with a lot you know with directors for example Directors are typically the well-known ones in the movie world, right? Yeah. Um, do you follow particular directors or do you actually kind of dive into the cinematography and, and follow specific cinematographers or DOPs on projects? 
Yeah, I kind of uh, I follow more of the the DOPs on the projects, um, camera operators and whatnot. Directors, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, as funny as it sounds, I'm not that huge into movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know a lot of names, but uh, I know a lot of movies. I guess you could say. That's oh, one at the door. Yeah, Hold no on. Worries. I don't have time. Just in the middle of a recording right now. Sorry, man. Okay, no back later. Yeah, no, that's okay. We're probably good. We're probably good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Just leave, leave a, a just leave a flyer or something, dude. I gotta go. <laughs> Sorry, Dawson from Dallas. Not today, my friend. Yeah. He's still standing at the door. <laughs> oh boy! Like, how do you tell someone? Sorry, I'm just in the middle of a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he looked at me like, "What the hell is a podcast?" <laughs> um, yeah. So you don't follow specific uh, directors so much. Do you see directors and DPs to pretend to like on films work together, or even on t- series? Do they follow one another around as sort of a team? I think they kind of uh, they team up and they really create what they need to create together, and then they kind of uh, disperse and tell the the people who they need to tell to do what they need to do. Okay, can you elaborate on that? Because that's kind of like <laughs> a kind of like a hierarchy. Uh, yeah. So the the director is always going to talk to the DP, and then the mm-hmm. DP is going to talk to his uh, people below him, and then it kind of it's kind of a chain of command. And right, and, but I mean project to project. Uh, okay. Will a director go like, that was my guy on that last film that did well, uh, I want him back? Or do they, like, would you like mixing and mingling with different personalities and different styles? I think I would definitely like to, to mix and mingle. Uh, that way you can learn a lot from a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, one DP might not be uh, good for one genre of film, but he's good for another. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. I um, think it uh, falls under actors as well. There's mm-hmm. some actors that don't uh, work well with with comedies, but they work well with dramas. Yeah, fair enough. So what, uh, in your experience, sort of what's been the, the relationship with the director? Like, you know, how do you like to approach something uh, director that you've worked with? Uh, I think a lot of initial meetings and a lot of uh, just kind of laying out on the table um, the style, the, the mood, um, the pace everything's gonna go, um, really putting that out forward and and then letting everything else fall into place afterwards because if uh, people are bumping heads or thinking in different ways right off the get-go then it kind of doesn't work out from there yeah what's uh, what's the role of pressure when it comes to uh, to working on set or like you know everyone reacts differently or do you prefer the high pressure situations or, or do you like to have your time and move slow and calculate and precise I've always been told that I'm really like laid back and easy to work with uh, the sets that I work on are always very fun mm-hmm. and I like taking uh, taking suggestions and whatnot from everybody you know um, I don't like everyone directing at one at one time. I only like one director, but uh, I like suggestions, you know. And, and there's something I may not see, and someone else can kind of point that out to me. Yeah. So I really like a laid back set and uh, where everyone can kind of just have fun. What uh, are there particular types of productions that you find are more laid back versus others? Like I don't know the scope of everything that you've worked on, but corporate to more dramatic and like what well, you know what's what's the range there? I think the the funnest projects to work on are, are commercials or agency work. So mm-hmm. really 
there's a, there's a creative already put in place and everyone knows what's happening before we even show up mm-hmm. and uh, we know the shots we know everything that we need and everyone just kind of executes that and we just get through the day yeah have you ever shot any uh, beer commercials or liquor commercials not any beer or liquor commercials no. but uh, those are fun because <laughs> everyone's supposed to be having a good time in the shot kind of just has this uh, this effect of, of bringing out the fun in everyone right yeah. come on people are supposed to have fun <laughs> like let's go like drink that fake beer yeah. actually you're not supposed to drink the beer in the commercials but yeah um, so you at one point or another played competitive international paintball is that right yep how the hell did that come up like uh, that was another one of those uh, things I just went and tried and it just stuck you know mm-hmm. I uh, I think I went for a friend's birthday it probably would have been back when I was maybe 16 or 17 years yeah, old one of those like high school organized birthdays exactly yeah. and then uh, I went a few more times and I really liked it and then I I found a, a paintball field that I it was actually an indoor paintball field on the east side of the city called Paintball Action Games mm-hmm. and started going there kind of on their drop-in nights and and I liked it so much I, I remember asked for a paintball gun for Christmas from my mom and I ended up getting it and just kind of snowballed from there I show parents show parents <laughs> yeah uh, I played as much as I could and I spent all my money on that and uh, got better and I ended up getting on a, a few teams and um, started getting sponsored uh, and then started traveling with it and playing competitively in the States because that's kind of where the big the big paintball scene is, is in the United States right now. Where's, uh, where's the, uh, the hot spots for paintball down there? More on the West Coast. Like California is huge for paintball. A lot of, uh, a lot of events happen there. Mm-hmm. And are like, do they get spectators? Like, how does the sponsorship work? Like, Sponsor- are they televised? Uh, paintball's really weird. It's in this weird area where it's 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 not like any other sport where you're following one object. Mm-hmm. There's ten to fourteen people on the field at one time, and everybody can do, be doing their own separate things, their own roles. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so hard to televise. You really need some some commentators that know how to commentate it well. But then that it's it's very difficult for that to translate over to the viewer. Right. So the spectators at these events are typically paintball players or friends and family or mm-hmm. people that are somewhat curious in the sport. Right. And you obviously, it's good to be in different, like, what do they call them? Fields? Like every, every paintball course has like typically a few different fields, right? You've got your like urban setting here. You've got your forest setting over here and your other couple scenes or what, what have you. So it's probably difficult to, uh, to rig those all for broadcast or for spectating? Well, for the, the competitive paintball world, uh, it's all played on um, AstroTurf. Mm-hmm. So it's similar to, say, a football field. And then there's the these inflatable bunkers that are on the field. And it's kind of a mirrored image on each on each side of the field. So each okay. team has... Uh, uh, the same advantage right and that makes it easy to manipulate the course to change things around right yeah okay that's super interesting yeah. so have they ever attempted to uh, produce content around these paintball events like using drone angles and having like like a full production around it where you've got like you know a commentator could be commentating on different angles and, and things they do have like the the live stream events that you can tune into and watch these big events that happen mm-hmm. three four or five times a year so it's definitely televised you just have to to find out where and how to watch it they don't really push it 
Are they using drones out there? There's some drone angles kind of as a, a covered shot, I guess you could say. Right, but nothing like up close or just like right overhead of the player? Not so much, no. That would be so badass. <laughs> you see, like, like I'm just picturing like a war movie broadcast like as paintball, or paintball broadcast yeah. as like a war movie. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Would you ever get into trying to film that kind of stuff? Have you ever done live events at all? Um, I actually, that's kind of where my... Uh, passion started for filmmaking and, and making video was back when I played paintball I, I had my one of my first cameras and I would bring it with me on our, our trips down to the states and I would just kind of document it nothing super professional but it did catch on a little and mm -hmm. uh, I did shoot some some videos of our team playing and whatnot and that kind of just sparked from there how would you shoot the video and also participate and play I would take take um we have extra players, so oh, okay. I would kind of sit out a game or whatnot and, and shoot. Mostly on practices, I would I would film the actual playing, but tournaments, yeah. I would just kind of put the camera down. What did uh, what would you learn from from photography or photo photo? Jeez, I'm not <laughs> enough coffee today. Photographing or um, or videoing these paintball matches, you see like raw motion in people's face can you learn a lot from these people you can learn a lot from uh the body language of people because uh, you can't see their face obviously because they have a mask on mm -hmm. but uh you can you can see through their goggles so you can see their eyes if you're on like a tight enough shot uh and then anticipating their move and and just kind of preparing for that that photograph to unfold mm -hmm. and seeing a moment like a moment kind of uh, happen in front of you right so it must be kind of a a gratifying feeling like but like you see something develop you're like I think there's going to be a moment here and then capturing that exactly, moment yeah. it's like making this be like hunting like yeah. making the perfect shot yeah exactly do you uh, do you prefer do you have one preference over the other in terms of uh, video and photography I really that's a tough question uh, I think I like to take my time with photography so landscape photography I like to just go out and 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 enjoy the scenery and take my time with things mm -hmm. um and video is kind of a more structured uh more structured thing for me so okay. i like to to build a video and i like to take my my time thinking of shots and and typically on any any project it is fast paced so i do have to kind of keep the ball going but um photography i kind of put on the back burner and left it as a hobby mm -hmm. so i can enjoy it when i do go out and when i go traveling mm -hmm. but uh, video is kind of the driving force for me for for work career-wise yeah um and then with photography is it more do you like the landscape because that's where you got your start or do you prefer portraits or do you kind of see a little bit of the benefit in everything I see a little bit of a, a benefit in everything. Um, I like the landscape because I can just take my time and mm -hmm. I don't feel rushed doing it. But I also do like photographing people. Um, that's where I kind of learned a lot of my lighting was photographing people. I actually had a, a project back in 2015 that I started called The Original Self. And mm -hmm. uh, it was me contacting local business owners, entrepreneurs, artists, whoever and kind of uh, doing a, uh, a portrait on them and interviewing them and I ended up doing about 50 of those people. Wow, what, like, <laughs> what rate were you doing them at? Like one a week, one a month? At some points I would do a couple a week. Yeah. Yeah, it was over about a year, a year uh, stretch where I shot uh, about 45, 50 people 
And uh, I was approached by Todd Janes from Latitude 53 to actually put up all my photographs uh, at the art gallery there for a couple months. So that was a, a, a pretty cool opportunity for me and I got to really show off my style of photography and, and that's where I really learned a lot, uh, a lot of lighting techniques and how to light people and, and just a really good learning experience. How do you find people react when when they know the camera's there, when they're, they're supposed to act away or they're supposed to try and sit still for a portrait? Do you find it's, it's more challenging for, to get them to do what you want versus just photographing them? Um, uh, just candidly um, I I really try to put myself in their shoes I'm not a huge fan of getting my photo taken yeah. uh, <laughs> I find it very awkward and and I do know people know how to do it and but uh, I really just try to put myself in their shoes and make them as comfortable as they can be I kind of talk through what I'm doing and and why I'm doing things and mm -hmm. so they can kind of learn at the same time right so that's kind of one way of making someone comfortable, and I think that just kind of comes naturally with t chatting with somebody. Mm -hmm. What is it about a photo that, you know, we see so many people in everyday life, and you never stop to think like, whoa, that's a great, that's a great person, or, you know, yeah. like their face looks really interesting right now. Yeah. But how, how come you're able to capture that in a photo? Like you see some stunning portraits and you're just like captivated by their eyes and their skin and their hair and everything. Like, why is that? Uh, I think it's really uh, nailing down what you want to see in that photo. If, uh, if it's a character that has uh, really big laugh lines, then you really want to emphasize those in the photo. Um, or really nice eyes, or their, their hair is really cool, or they're wearing a really cool hat. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, pairing that with the location, um, be it their office space or their shop or even just on the street. Right. So you really have to pinpoint what the, you think the viewer is going to want to see and really emphasize that in the photo. Okay, so when you're and when you're profiling them, that becomes easier because you get to know a little bit more about them and what they do. Exactly. So the the series, the original self, was anywhere between fifteen to twenty photographs, mm -hmm. and a lot of them being the same throughout the series. I kind of had a, a formula of what I wanted to capture, and uh, I just really had a good time going into a space and and seeing what people do and seeing how they kind of live in their space and. Uh, I would often get people saying they wanted to clean up before I came, and I always say, "Just leave it. Just right. leave it how you how you how you normally work with it, and uh, that's always the best way to do it." Yeah, that clean up before people come <laughs> is so funny. Like, just just such a good example of our insecurity. Of, like, yeah, exactly. Like, you live the way you live, and like you know, you should be okay with that. And maybe it's an off week or an off day where yeah. you haven't had time to like tidy up, but. Yeah. But uh, I find people's spaces are, are a reflection of sort of the inner status of what's going on in their life. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Is it chaotic? Is it neat, tidy, orderly? Yeah. And I think you can, you can learn a lot from someone when you catch them in a space that they weren't expecting you yeah, to. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So um, as, you, as you kind of evolve as an artist and a creative, um, what, are, what are the things that remain unchecked for you that you want to tackle in terms of work or... Or play or you know anything in your career well I'm currently in the process of um, transitioning this original self project from photo over to video mm -hmm. so I'm really trying to build this beast of a, of a project and I really want to nail that down I've I've 
taken the time to organize it, but things just get in the way. And I really want to push forward and, and make that happen over the next couple of years. And I think that's really going to develop my my craft as well and, and network. And, and I just really want to focus on that mm-hmm. uh, as well as just overall... Um, my overall business and be becoming more comfortable with uh, where I'm at. Right. So by transitioning it to video, would it be sort of like an inter- interview setting and they're just talking directly to the camera? Not directly to the camera. This is kind of uh, relating back to what I talked about earlier was uh, I don't necessarily have to show the person talking on camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I more want to see what they're doing and who they are. Oh, okay. So I'm really doing the interview to get a, a narrative and, and get them to tell me their story and then uh, emphasize that in the the visuals that I'm going to be capturing. Okay, so how long are each of these pieces? I'm looking at making them roughly minute and a half to two and a half minutes. Okay, and how deep do you get with the questioning? Like is it, you know, are you sort of just saying what do you do in your career? Are you, you know, diving into like, you know, what what are you afraid of? I think it's kind of it's kind of a, an arc there. So starting off with how did you get into it, or how did you get into this, and um, where do you see yourself in a couple of years, and what are some challenges you had? So the questions are going to vary from from person to person, just depending on what they what they do and where they're at in their lives. As you've done these interviews, have you seen common threads amongst people and why they get into what they get into? I think that people get into these things because they're very passionate about it. And one thing that was very common between all of them is everyone's very passionate about the city mm-hmm. and uh, really emphasizing that they want to stay here and they want to build this city and they, they feel that it's just a great place to live. And why do you love this city? I love this city because it's, it's a big city with a small town feel. And I, that's been said by many people. And it's just so very true. You, you go to the, you go to all these events over the summer, over the winter, and you're always going to see the same people. And it's just a, a gratifying feeling seeing all these successful people. Not even successful people, but uh, the same people. You can always bump into them and and just trade stories. And mm-hmm. it's it's not big. That's why I like it. Yeah. They, they always say that we've got a really strong volunteer community and a really strong sort of charitable community. And I think a, re, a big reason for that is because we've, we're, you know, we're not so big that we become an anonymous, right? Like it's, you know, everyone, there's going to be someone in town who knows who you are and who your family is and what you do. And, exactly. And so I think it's easier to mobilize us as a population. And also you can pull in the unifying factors of, of you know, we're a proud sort of sort of northern city you know we're hardy we we like you know we enjoy our winters or at least we tolerate our winters and and that you know makes us um you know we're more gratified in our summers and we can Mm -hmm. enjoy them exactly and obviously the it's i think too having the rivalry with calgary is always good right because you know having that rivalry that us that sort of group mentality us versus them yeah helps to bring people together yeah and uh i think it pushes us a little bit it makes us want to be the better city. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I like about Edmonton is that everyone is always helping one another out. Yeah, There's uh, not much competition. Everyone is always super humble and super genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a rising tide mentality, right? No one's trying to tear each other down. Or, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's, you know, it's 
something that simultaneously you want people to know, but you almost don't want to like, you know, you don't want people to find out the secret sauce. You're like, it's kind of good how it is. Yeah. It's like when Whistler got the, when Vancouver and Whistler got the Olympics. Yeah. I used to go to Whistler before 2010 and it was quite a bit smaller. It was growing like from 06 to, to 2010 quite a bit, but like 02 to 06 was kind of like, it was quaint. It was quiet. Yeah. Like it wasn't crazy. And then it's like, cool, the Olympics. We're like we're gonna get world exposure. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, it um, you know it just blows up and it becomes super you know commoditized and and it uh, and corporate too. It'd be very corporate. Yeah. Which is, I hope that doesn't happen in this city. Right? <laughs> no, I think uh, I think we got something special here, and I think it's 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 gonna stay. So I'm curious too because you know a lot of people though they're not into photography or videography like as a career they have that passing hot uh, passing sort of sort of curiosity about yeah. it right you know people like to see pictures and everyone likes when there's a camera out for the most part unless it's pointing right at them yeah um, what are sort of the the bigger technological advances that that have made your life a lot easier in the last say five to ten years. I think the the cell phone is a big thing. Okay. You know, everyone has a camera on them now, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's such a good tool for even for me to, if I'm scouting a location, I can just take out my phone and take a few photos of some potential shots that I want to look at, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of mark that down. Um, even times where I don't really feel like taking my camera out of my backpack, just pull out my phone. Right. You know, and uh, it's it's getting there, and and phones are are getting there very fast it's mm-hmm. kind of surpassing cameras almost but uh but when i do want to do something very professional still i always rely back on my my main tools yeah well a phone's never going to replace an actual camera sensor and a lens exactly right? like, yeah it's just i don't think a lot of people don't understand that is the you know the creativity you can yeah. you can achieve with a lens so changing yeah. the focal point and and everything and yeah that's that's interesting that but it's cool to know that even the professionals are still like going back to the phone, right? Yeah. The selfie mode. <laughs> the selfie mode, yeah. <laughs> um, and how do you go about furthering your career? Like, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're a self-run business. So how do you promote yourself and your brand and, and reach a new audience and a new client base? I'm kind of a, a one-man band right now. And it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I can kind of keep my everything I want to do and my style all in one. But... Uh, I think that's holding me back as well. Uh, I think the next steps for me is to bring on one or maybe even two people to kind of lighten the load. Mm-hmm. And that would let me focus on more of the things that I want to focus on right. and kind of pass off or, and even uh, teach someone how to do a certain aspect of the, the process and uh, make it more of a team effort than me just doing everything. Right. So I you do a little bit of everything, but are you like big on Instagram or Twitter? Or, you know, your website's beautiful. Thank how do you. you. Dri- how do you drive people to the website? Uh, it's a lot of it's word of, word of mouth right now. Um, I do have uh, somewhat of an Instagram following, not huge, mm-hmm. um, but that's kind of where I post more of my passion projects and my landscape photos. I don't mm-hmm. post a lot of. Uh, a lot of my video work on there right now because I don't get a lot of uh, return on that. Yeah, it's not a very good video platform, platform right now. Right? Yeah. Do you have a YouTube channel? Or I don't do have, have a YouTube a Vimeo, channel. Right? I have a Vimeo channel where I keep all of my work and uh, mm-hmm. that's what I use for client uh, interactions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of my work is just word of mouth right now. 
Yeah. Well, that's good. Hopefully this podcast helps. Yeah. Um, so if you, you know, you've got your, the video portrait series that you want to get underway. Um, other than that, if you were to pick like one dream job or one dream project that you could work on, no matter the scope, big or small feature film, you know, epic TV series like Game of Thrones, like what would you want to work on? What's sort of that big dream? I think I would want to, uh, work with a, a, really talented group of people and produce a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would mainly want to DP it and, and operate that. But um, I always have a lot of scenarios in my head and scenes that I want to shoot, but I, I don't have a way of tying them together right now. Okay. So I think that's kind of my dream project and I don't know when it's going to come along, mm-hmm. but uh, I think at one point I'm going to be able to weave, weave through all these uh, ideas and, and kind of put it yeah. into one one visual you go dramatic comedy action what would be your genre choice i think drama drama yeah yeah serious guy serious serious topics. Guy. <laughs> serious topics yeah um um really dramatic lighting dramatic acting and just mm-hmm. all all things very serious and emotional yeah the the acting aspect of it is, is such a such a mystery such an art form to so many people like they just think acting's easy, not realizing that like these actors, they're they're really trying to feel those emotions, right? Mm-hmm. They're really trying to go through the pain, and like you know, maybe that's maybe it's that's the reason so many have issues, or maybe people with issues are more creative and drawn to the acting profession. It's tough to say. Yeah. Do you um do you do any you know reading or research in terms of of sort of auxiliary um aspects of your job or your career like you know you're a dp first and foremost but like do you you know do you have a, a thirst for knowledge and to learn more about acting and other aspects or you know physics of light things like that i think the the, the lighting uh, world is really fascinating to me and and any way i can shape that to to change my uh anyone's perspective on my work is just super fascinating to me so just always learning about light and always seeing around me how light's hitting things and how how I can manipulate that. Mm-hmm. I'm really really fascinated in that. Okay. And what are the bigger what are the biggest changes you see in, in sort of your industry in the next uh, five years? Uh, I think camera technology and lighting technology. Uh, everyone's going towards LEDs mm-hmm. instead of the hot lights, uh, which makes things so much more easy and, and compact. Um, you can get all the colors of the rainbow in one single panel. Yeah. And you can operate that all from your cell phone through an app. They're really unreal, hey? Yeah, it's it's changed so much in the last couple of years. Same with camera equipment. Uh, cameras resolutions and frame rates are they're all getting just so so extreme so fast and mm-hmm. it's it's been very hard to keep up with. Yeah, I guess that's uh, that's a positive though, right? Um, the consumption of media though isn't advancing as quick as the technology to produce it which is good right like mm. like our TVs aren't jumping you know it took a while to jump from you know 1080p to 4k and yeah. whatever the next is 8k or 10k yeah. like there's the good news is that the tech's not going that fast right I think they have to feed the the consumer mass before the the professional mass really mm-hmm. The, the professional products are there, but they're not going to be selling to to all the consumers at that high of a rate. Yeah. So the consumer has to catch up. Yeah, fair enough. 
Uh, so when do you hit the uh, road again for the for the food truck show? I'm leaving uh, this coming Monday. I'm off again for nine days. This is the third block out of four blocks of shooting. Um, and we're off to uh, Ontario, and then we dip down into Detroit, and then back. Whereabouts in Ontario? Just Toronto? Or? Uh, the Toronto area, and then uh, Niagara Falls after that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you have, like, the... The shot list, or do you have like the script already? I don't have any. I don't have any of that yet. Uh, that's all just basic uh, in our call sheets, uh, kind of the day before. You show up, and I you just like, show up. Yeah. And uh, have you been to Detroit before? I've not, and I'm I'm very excited to go. <laughs> I haven't been. Oh, that fits your gritty look. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was in Detroit. I think in 07 or 08. Okay, and yeah, for a hockey game, and yeah, I think they're rebounding a little bit, but for a while it was pretty bad there. Yeah, I heard it's uh, it's been coming back quite a bit, and it's a very cool place now. So yeah, still lots of abandoned stuff, lots of good stuff for you to shoot. I'm yeah. sure. What's the weirdest that's just popped into my head, but what's like the, the most out there type of food truck you've come across so far? Um, Anything that's just like next level or is it just I think the, what I really didn't think of was we went to a few ice cream food trucks as well as a few cocktail food trucks. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, yeah. How did they get licensed to serve a cocktail? So cocktail food trucks would normally work at a, a wedding or an event and they have to have like a boundary of where the, the license applies to and, gotcha. and you have to drink within that. Right. So kind of like a beer garden exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. Huh. That's super interesting. Um, and what kind of cocktail? Was it like a specific theme or was it? I think they this one went with the ingredients that were kind of in season. So... Um, different herbs and and whatnot to mm -hmm. to create the flavors in the drinks. As an artist in in one field, do you appreciate like creativity in another? Does it really interest you, or are you just like, oh, I don't know anything about that? Like, I do, and I, I appreciate it, but I don't try to overwhelm myself with kind of learning what they're doing. I yeah. just kind of appreciate that it's different from the norm. Totally, yeah. It's like you could get caught in you know like those Wikipedia rabbit holes. Oh yeah, it's just <laughs> link after link after link. Yeah, and you're just hundred pages deep, and yeah. you're like. How did I get on 17th century French politics here? Like, what the yeah. hell is going on? <laughs> cool. Well, Corey, I appreciate you joining me, man. It's it's good to get to know you, and uh, and I'm sure our paths will cross uh, in the future, and hopefully, get a chance to work together. I'd like to sort of see you in action. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a great time, and I look forward to all this. So, where can people catch you online? What are your handles for everything? Uh, Corey John, you can kind of find me wherever. It's C O R Y. And then John with two N's, J-O-H-N-N. And that's kind of across the board. Awesome. Perfect, man. Have a good one. Thanks. Good you luck too. with the show. Thank you. Later. As always, guys, thank you for listening. I know a lot of you listen to the podcast because you enjoy hearing about people going out on their own and pursuing their dreams. Well, for those people, it all starts with an idea. So if you have an idea and you're ready to turn it into a business, check out ATBX. It's an incubator, it's an accelerator, it's a cohort of people disrupting their industries. Go to atb.com slash atbx for more info. We'll see you all next week.